You are listening to audio from Summit Community Church. You can join us Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on our YouTube channel at SCC Morganton. Thank you, Chelsea. You may be seated. Thanks for being with us today, worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I was very privileged to be one of the people on the trip to Guatemala where Travis and Chelsea first met. As the week went on, I saw that they were hanging out a lot more. When they were sitting with kids on the bus, they found a way to sit together with kids on the bus. And they were doing their devotions together, and I I can I can sometimes be not very perceptive, but that was pretty obvious. I said, something's going on here, and I got a clue in what's happening. God blessed that that happened in Guatemala to then become an engagement, to become a marriage, to being blessed with their first child and second one on the way. When they were serving Christ together in another country, God worked in their hearts and lives and brought them together where they'd been here together for a long time. But God showed their hearts to each other, and God drew them together in that experience. I'm so excited to be with you today. I was out last week. We had an exposure to COVID. I was very grateful for Robbie Smith filling in at the last minute. Very grateful for that, but I missed you greatly, but glad to be back with you. We're in a series called Mark, Season 1. We're finishing that series last week was a finish. We're starting Season 2 this coming Sunday, next Sunday in Mark, Chapter 8, to begin our next season in the Gospel of Mark. What you're getting today was a standalone message to give us a break intended for last week, but here it comes today. We're in a, in a standalone message today called simply Deal With It. Now, this is a message that started many months ago in my heart, a message that clicked with me in something that I love to do. We were playing cards with friends, and this idea hit me right between the eyes. And it hit me that life is like a game of cards. It hit me that life where God deals me a hand every single day, he deals you a hand. And I began to write in my journal. Matter of fact, April the 13th was that journal entry I made on that thought of how God was working in my mind, in my heart about life being like playing cards, dealing with it. And I'm going to read you from my journal. It's sort of like my my heart to yours, what I wrote down that day on April the 13th. I said this, a simple deck of cards has taught me so much about life lately. So many card games you're dealt a hand to play. It is what it is because there are no redeals. As good as it is or as bad as it is, I have to play it out. The challenge with any hand in a card game is to play it out, play it well, play it aggressively, and play it to win. A statement right here. That last statement I take for seriously. I don't play to lose. I don't buy into everybody's a winner. Somebody's got to lose, and I don't want it to be me. I do play to win. So just a personal confession. We won't. In the card game of life, without a better phrase for it, I must play it out in many similar ways. When it comes to life, it goes like this. There are no redeals in life. In humility and integrity, I must wisely play the hand I am dealt by God for the glory of God. In a card game, all I have to work with is the hand I'm dealt with by the dealer. When it comes to life, each day all I have is that hand God has chosen to deal me for that day. 
You know, as a dealer, I wish God could, quote, stack the deck for Christians. You ever had that thought? Can God just give me the good stuff? Can I just give in the bottom of the deck, God? But that's not how it works. All people, Christian and non-Christian, are dealt a hand, with many being very similar. The key is not what I'm dealt, but how I play what I'm dealt for that day. Playing a winning hand is easy compared to playing a losing hand. Every day I get up, I need to be reminded about a simple deck of cards. Look at the hand I've been dealt and play it out. But not just play it out, but play it out with determination and purpose. I must wisely play the hand I'm dealt with humility and integrity for the glory of God. Today, this when you walked into the place today, you all received a card. This is all we have control over in life is how we play the hand we're dealt. That's all we have. If you think you have more, I want to tell you I'm sorry. Many times in life I thought I did, and I had to become realistic and know that I don't really have much more than that to play the hand I'm dealt. Because what we're dealing with today is talking about, a big word we'll talk about in a minute, is God's sovereignty. That means this, God is in control of all things. Therefore, if that is not God, God is not God. God is sovereign. That's what we have in front of us. That today when you walked in, you received a card from the deck. I want to ask you a question. I saw a buddy of mine that walked in here. Guess what he drew? He drew the ace of spades. I said, not only an ace, but he drew an ace of spades. I said, man, you got the winning card. You're, that's awesome. How many here got aces today? Anybody? Uh, there's several. All right, y'all got, you got, you got an incredible hand, man. Now, how many got a king, queen, or a jack? I'll take that any day. That's a good hand. How who got a 10, 9, 8, or 7? That middle ground of uh, upper level of numbers. Okay, you're pretty good. Depending on how it plays out, it might work well in your favor. I don't know. Look at me. I got a 6. <laughs> it's like, how's that going to go? Most likely not so good. How many got a 6 to a 2? All right, we're in good company here. Here we go. You know, that's what you were given. That's what you drew out of that deck. So here we are with what you got. Now, that's life. But God deals us a hand to play out in a game called life, this thing we live called life, this journey called life. And every one of us has a worldview. A worldview is this, a specific way of looking at life. And whatever that worldview is helps us answer questions. Questions like, who am I? Why am I here? What's it all about? What will happen to me when I die? Is anything worth dying for? But there's another question that we, I, have a tendency to wrestle with in this worldview of mine. And praise the Lord, I know Jesus is my Savior and God's Word. God Himself is my worldview, my perspective on life, that He is sovereign. He is in control. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, everywhere all the time. That's my God. But I still wrestle with a question. And you probably wrestle with this question, too. I wrestle with a two-word question. Why me? God... When I get this six, why me? 
On the flip side, when I get a king or ace or jack, why me? When I get a two, God, why me? Big question. Andy McQuitty wrote a book called Notes from the Valley, and he says this. He said, in that question of why me, you're realizing that everyone suffers the collateral damage of a sin-broken world, whether through cancer or any number of other scourges wielded by the enemy of your soul. That's a theologically legitimate response that stands biblical muster, but you still have to unease your in your heart. I, I identify, I wrestle still. The theological answer doesn't satisfy. That is when it might dawn on you, as it did on me, that it is not the answer that is defective, but the question. Perhaps we have to admit that what we're really obsessing about is not why me. He says, but we're obsessing with why me and not them. Anytime I compare my life to somebody else in this journey called life, I'm concluding that my lot in life is acceptable only if my pain is not greater nor my blessings less than those around me. So Andy McQuilty says the biggest question is what we're answering is why me and not them? See, this why me question really has an answer. The answer is this. We all live in a sin-broken world where we all face an enemy called Satan whose agenda is to get at God by attacking us. His ultimate weapon is death. And in between time in this life is these hated expressions from him towards us called disease and despair and destruction. Why does he attack us? Why not the, the birds? Why not the sharks? Why not the alligators? And man, why not the snakes? Why us? You know why? We are the image bearers of God. In Scripture, we're called the Imago Dei, the words for the very image of God. God made us in His image. As a human being right now, sitting in His place, you are in the image of God. Now, we warp that image through sin. We can restore that image by coming to Christ, accepting Him as Savior and Lord, but we are made in His image, in our basic creation. So if Satan can't get at God, what does he do? He gets at the image bearers of God. So here he comes at me and at you. Now verse 5 in this psalm gives us the reason why he comes at us. Verse 5, before we get to the first part, it says in the very middle of this psalm, it says, you made him, human beings, us, a little less than God. David says that of all your creation, God, all this stuff that we see around us, you made me, made all human beings just a little less than you, a little lower than the angels. So we are the primo of creation, God's image bearers. That's why we are attacked. That's why these things happen. We got to deal with it. That, but that also means something else. You know what? This life is a struggle. This life, the struggle is real. But it shows us this. We are destined. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you are destined to be revealed and exalted as God's child who will one day judge those angels. And guess what Satan is? He's one of those. He's a fallen one, but he's one of those. And one day, we're going to rise up. But it doesn't happen right now. I'm sorry to tell you. 
In this life, we're dealt the good and the bad. We've got to deal with it. The one thing we have in common, regardless of our age, race, education, socioeconomic status, is this. We will all suffer. Reality check. The world is broken. No one will make it through life without experiencing this reality. But why does this happen? Why? God's sovereign. God is in control. God's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, everywhere, all the time. Why does this happen to me? What has God said we are? Jesus said in Matthew 5, we're what? We are salt and we are light. We are salt in a tasteless world. We are light in a very dark world. We're representatives of Christ for his kingdom here on this earth until his new kingdom is established. So as his image bearers, we live under the curse of the fall. Blame Adam and Eve. Blame the fall. Here's where it came from. We're messengers, though, of God's grace, God's goodness, and God's mercy to a lost and dying world. Why does this happen? God says, here it comes. But I'm with you, and I want you to play this out in humility and integrity with determination for my glory. Let your life speak, positive and negative. Let it speak. God is always up to something. And here's what's hard for me to admit. Years ago, in, in, in our, I say our struggle, it is our struggle with cancer. It started in 2011. And when we started that journey together, Debbie and I both said together, this is a family battle. It's not one person. It's both of us, all of us together. We fight it together as we are still to this day. And we started that battle, started that journey together. People would tell Debbie all the time, your, your life is such a testimony to me. And Debbie at one time reached a point where she said, you know, God, could you not give me another testimony? Because I kind of don't like this one. <laughs> and I said, I identify. But that's not our call to make. Here's what I got to swallow and admit many times. For you and me and all of us, God is continually turning our messes into a message. God will take your mess and reveal it, turn it over into a message if you allow him to do this in your life. Reality check. He's turning our messes into a message. Psalm 8.5 illustrates this. Sometimes it's bad hand we're dealt, but it also illustrates what will happen in the future. What can be discouragement and temporary defeat now will end in ultimate victory in eternity. We have to wrestle like many great leaders of the church wrestled for years. In third and fourth century, Augustine, a great church father, once said this. He says, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. I've got to live this life. I've got to play this hand I'm dealt, resting in God himself. You must rest in God yourself. So how do we do this? How do we play this hand wisely? How do we play it with humility and integrity for the glory of God? When I stop and think about how to play this hand, I have to be constantly reminded over and over again about a passage of Scripture. That passage is the one we read today in Psalm 8. When I was in college, I was in a singing group. We traveled to different churches. And we sang a song by 
Tom Fetke called the majesty and glory of your name. See if it resonates. When I gaze into the night skies, I see the work of your fingers, the moon and stars suspended in space. Of what is man that you are mindful of him? You have given man a crown of glory and honor. You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have put him in charge of all creation, the beasts of the fields, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea. Oh, what is man? Oh, what is man that you're mindful of him? Oh, Lord our God, the majesty and glory of your name transcends the earth and fills the heavens. Oh, Lord our God, little children praise you perfectly, and so would we, and so would we. Hallelujah. The majesty and glory of your name. That's our song. The keys to living this life, dealing with the hand you're dealt, are right here in Psalm 8. To be a constant reminder to recheck, to refocus our thoughts and our lives back to where they need to be to make it through this life. Great or not so great for God's glory. How does that happen? Here's the keys. Number one is this, the first key. Focus on the majesty and the glory of God. Verse 1, what does it say? Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You've covered the heavens with your majesty. David's selection of words are very specific here, very pointed to us today. David makes a strong response in the very first word, Lord. The word there is Yahweh, Messiah, King, conquering one. Lord. The same word he uses in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Lord. Then what does he say? Next key word for us, Lord, our Lord. What's happening? In the 21st century, two over 2,000 years later, we're pulled in to this psalm. Lord, our Lord, our shared Lord. What does he say? How magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You covered the heavens with your majesty. The Lord whose glory fills the earth is our Lord. We're in covenant with him. His praise is chanted on high and even acceptably echoed from the cradle and the nursery. Look at this next part. He says, verse 2, from the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you've established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. Think about this for a moment. You can go back in the nursery and hear some of this right now. If we had our a speaker on right now, it would be, it'd be probably deafening, but it would be there. Think about little babies, tiny babies, just born. Up until about six weeks, a month, don't hear much, but crying when they're hungry or crying when the diaper's dirty, right? Screaming. That's a form of it, but about two months, what happens? That child in a miraculous way, begins to find its voice. And sometimes, you ever seen this? It's so funny to watch a child. They'll find their voice and don't realize it's them. You ever seen that happen? Ah! They'll go, ah! Like, where'd that come from? And you want to go, it's you. You're doing this. They're finding their voice. And what I see in this passage is so incredible. As inaudible as that to me of what they're saying, they're saying nothing. It's a sound. But God says, you know what? I'm bringing the majesty and glory of my name through the mouths of babies. 
what is unintelligible to us, God says, they are speaking my glory. So to, to get my life straight and dealing with life, i got to focus, refocus every day on the glory and majesty of God Himself. The second one is this. Second keys, look up into the heavens. Verse 3, when I observe your heavens, David says, this is work your fingers, the, the moon and the stars which you set in place. What is a human being that you remember him? A son of man that you look after him. We believe this psalm was written very young, very early in life with King David when he was just a shepherd. He was a shepherd boy tending his father's sheep. What do shepherds do? They go out and stay with the sheep for weeks on end out in the fields. And in the Holy Land where, you, where he is, where he lived, there's not many trees. There's not many woods per se. There's all desert. They would go out within the fields with their sheep. And at nighttime, they guard the sheep, but they also lie down at night to rest. And we believe with all our hearts, young David is in the fields with his sheep. He's lying on what would have been a mat for him, just on the ground. And he's just staring up at the sky. And all of a sudden, when darkness begins to take hold, stars begin to come out, popping out of the sky. The moon becomes as radiant as it can be. And David begins to look at all that going, wow. Lord, how magnificent is your name in all the earth. The heavens speak your glory. Then right here he says, when I observe, when I look at, when I gaze into the heavens. He asks a question, the work of your fingers, moon and stars, you set into place. What is a human being that you remember him? You see, we've got to take a perspective here on creation itself. There's a dual purpose here in creation of God. God created this universe for himself to display his glory. But simultaneously, what has he done in that creation? Simultaneously, he's created for himself, but also for us. Because why? As he created for himself, we look at that and we see his glory and give him praise. We see how incredible he is. It's a dual effect on this creation of the universe, made for him, made for us as well. And David is staring at this. I want to challenge you with a thought. Walk out one clear night and just stare up at the sky. You want to feel like you're small? Just stare up to an empty night sky full of stars and the moon. you realize how small you really are First time I took a flight in a plane, I remember looking down on, on what I was looking at through the, through the clear skies. There was no clouds that day. We were flying over, and I looked, and I said, wow, that looks like, when I'm down there, that looks like a big neighborhood. Man, from up here, that's pretty tiny. A friend of mine took me up in his plane in Aiken one time. We flew over my actual house, and living at my house, I thought that yard was huge when I had to mow it, when I had to take care of it and spread pine needles, pine straw. And I got up in that plane with him, and I'm looking down, I'm going, that's all I got? And that cost me how much money? And it's going to burn down one day? What? You want to feel small? Look at you in perspective to the universe. 
David is pondering this. And he goes, God, look at me and look at this. What is man? What are human beings? What am I? Who am I? That you are mindful of me. That's humbling. But it's also truthful. And it's also captivating because this God that made all this is ever expanding out here as we get more technology, it's ever expanding, never ending. He made me. And he's mindful of me. He's mindful of you. In the middle of dealing with this, I look up to the heavens and say, Lord, who am I? And God says, you're my special creation. Because why? What does it say here? David says, when I look up and all this, I realize how small and seemingly insignificant I am in the grand scheme of things. But in looking up, David asked what I believe is a very rhetorical question. He says, so with all that as a backdrop, what is a human being and how is it that you remember me? How? Then he gives the answer. We're made a little lower than the angels, a little bit less than God, putting in charge. We're put in charge of all creation. God says, you look insignificant, but in my mind, you're primo. You're it. You're the tops. You're the best. You're the greatest of all creation. You see, what we're dealing with right here is I say, well, I go to the sovereignty of God. God is in control of all things. And these other omni words that pop out, the omnipresence of God, where God is everywhere all the time. The omnipotence of God, God is all-powerful. The omniscience of God, where God knows everything. What we have to capture, grab around our minds around is this. If God does not have those traits, he is not God. That's what makes God, God. And I'm grateful and blessed that he is that kind of God because he's in control and I'm not. God's making my mess into a message. God's making your mess into a message. When we intentionally look up and we see what's around us, we got to realize this. Even put a telescope on what you're looking at. You know what you've done? You just magnified what you were looking at already. You just couldn't pull it into focus. You've not expanded out even further. So God says, pull it up there and look and intentionally gaze and look. See, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, he said, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight and glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For we, what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Here's what I came across is this truth. The Christian faith enables us to face life, not because we can see, but with the certainty that we are seen. Not that we know all the answers, but that we are known. I can face life because I am known and I'm seen by an omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, sovereign God. That's what makes life doable in this life. David says, what is man, human being, to remember him? Key phrase, son of man, that you look after him. Remember and look after are two key phrases here. When he says God remembers us, that word remember is a word that means compassionately purposeful, and implies God's movement towards me and you. God moves towards us. God comes at us with purpose. God comes at us with compassion. God comes at us in movement towards us. He comes chasing after us. That's God remembering us. The words when he says he's looking after us means God attending to implies his actions as well as his concern. 
God is looking after us in the middle of all this. David says, wow, God, look at this universe. And look at me. You even remember me, and you look after me. So we look up to the heavens. The last key is this. Realize your rank in creation. Look at verse 5. You made him a little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the sheep and oxen as well as the animals of the wild, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas. Here's another key. When, to get perspective on life itself, perspective of what you've been dealt for the time being and what it is, who we are, we hear God speak to our importance. We hear God speak, and it's His care for us. We hear God speak about His love for us. You see, God says to you today, to me today, that you are not out of sight. You're not out of mind. He sees you. He knows you by name. He has honored you as His image bearer Himself. David concludes how he began, a bookend at the end. In verse 9, what does he say? Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your, your great your name throughout the earth. David identifies with the greatness, the amazing wonder, the nature of the name of God. The very name of God speaks majesty. It speaks glory. You know, J.I. Packer, the great theologian, once said this. He says, we stand at the end of four centuries of God shrinking in the public mind. He said, tragically, God gets smaller while we get bigger. That's not the way it's intended to be. I recognize my place in this universe. I recognize I don't deserve none of this, but God says, you know what? I'm elevating you to be the top of all creation. The truth is this. We are so small, but God is so great. That's the truth. That's what David dwells on. So every day, you're dealt a hand. Some are good. Some are not so good. Some are terrible. How do we play it out? With whatever we've been dealt. With integrity, humility, and for the glory of God. We're going to summarize here on the screen. Focus on the majesty and the, glory, and the faint glory of God. In other words, lock your, lock your mind, lock your heart in on the name and the fame of God. Look up into the heavens. Get your eyes up as you walk through this life. Don't look down here. Look up there. Lift your eyes to the heavens as you walk through this life. Number three is realize your rank in creation. You always be aware that although in proportion to creation, you and I, we seem so small. We are so small. But understand, God says, as my creation, you're prominent in position and status. I remember you. I look after you. Again, let me ask you a question. Those people that drew the aces, we're going to spend some time in prayer right now. Praise God for the great things in your life. Praise God for how He works in your life. Praise God for those ways He's made Himself known to you in ways all around you. That king, queen, or jack that most of the time is a winning hand 
winning card. Thank God for those times that are still good. That 1097, eh, it can go either way. Pray for God to be revealed in your life when that's happening. When things could go one way or the other, you don't know. Pray and say, God, I don't know how this is all going to shake out. It's up in, it's in limbo right now. Help me play it with humility and integrity for your glory. The ones that are with me, 65432, what's going on in your life that's really not so good? Matter of fact, it might be terrible. You're saying, God, if you don't show up, it's not going to work. What's going on in your life that way? God, help me refocus. Refocus on your majesty and your glory and your name. God, help me to read, to look up again to the heavens. God, help me to think again about my, my place in creation. But as we pray, let's lift all these up. Let's focus on that today. Bow your heads with me. Father, I pray this day, these cards are a symbol of life, of how life plays out. There's a calling you put upon us as your image bearers in this world to live out life with humility and integrity all for your glory, the good and the bad. Your scriptures say it rains on the righteous, the unrighteous, the just, and the unjust. And none of us can explain why that happens, but God, we know you're sovereign. You're in control of all things. So Father, we praise you for those great times. Praise you for those wonderful times. We praise you for this. God, we pray for those times in our lives when things are unfolding and they could go either way. Help us to walk that fine line, trusting in you and how it plays out that we're full of integrity and humility for your glory. And God, those of us who dealt a, were dealt or drew a card today that's, matter of fact, not so good. And that might be our life today. God, I pray that you'd help us to look up to understand that you are turning our mess into a message. Give us the strength. Give us the hope the joy and the peace that flows from you, that resonates from you, that is that you're the source of today. So God, as we stand now to sing in worship, may we continue praying with everything in us for those praises, the good times, those not so good times that go either way, praying for you to be revealed, for those bad or terrible times for you to show up and show out because we show you off. So Father, have your way today in our hearts and our minds. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this week's sermon. For more information about Summit Community Church, please check out our website at summitchurch.me or on social media on Facebook or Instagram at SCC Morganton.